Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning. You're listening to Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. My name is Layla, and we're so glad you could join us this morning. But before we get into the Word, let's take a moment and pray. God, we thank you for today, and we thank you for renewed strength, Lord, so that we're able to continue in excellence the work that you've called us to do, Lord. We ask that you'll strengthen our hands and our knees, Lord, that you'll put strength in our backs so that we're able to do what it is that you called us to do, Lord, and help others along that tr- that track as well, Lord. We thank you for your wisdom and your understanding and your counsel, Lord, that you go out with us to battle, Lord, and that you are by our sides every step of the way, Lord, and that you help us in every way that we need it, Lord, so that we can end the race, Lord, and and triumph as you called us to end it in, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness to your promises and your word, Lord, that they never fall short and they never fall to the ground and and your words aren't wasted, Lord. We thank you for our partners and our listeners, Lord. We thank you for forgiveness, and we thank you for your mercy and your compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. And amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. So glad to have you with us as we get into the Word and study out the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 8, and this morning we are going to cover verses 7 through 13. And just as a reminder, the whole point of this study as the Lord's given us, is to build or develop an unshakable faith. No matter what happens in this earth, you are firmly secured in faith, in your trust in the Lord with your future and hope. Amen? Amen. So, can I get a volunteer to read from Hebrews 8, verses 7 through 13, please? I will. All right, LaCharles. For if that first covenant had been faultless, they would, um, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of, the, of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And that he says, A new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. All right. Amen. Amen. There is a lot in here. So, as is our custom, we're going to open the floor and give each of you the opportunity to share what Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and to ask any questions that you have. So who would like to begin? I would. All right, Charles. So the first thing that the Lord was sharing with me is that what we see here is that he, he talks about a new covenant. Um, mm-hmm. Paul doesn't. One second. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. 
Paul talks about a new covenant here that the Lord was already establishing, and we know that he's talking about various places. He's talking about, like, in Jeremiah specifically, the Lord says this, that he's going to create a new covenant with the house of Israel. And how what we see is that as the Lord is talking about a new covenant, he's never changing, nor does he waver. We know that from various scriptures inside the New Testament, um, James, I believe, that he's consistent today, um, yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. And there's no shadow or doubt of turning inside of him. And how we know that with the first covenant, this leads to confusion. The first covenant was good. Um, it had nothing wrong with it because it came straight from God. God didn't make a mistake in giving them the covenant. He never made a mistake. It was a hardness of heart that caused them not to be able to bear in. Um, meaning that they weren't, as we see in the Old Testament, those who were willing, like Abraham, Isaac, and um Jacob, they were able to enter in because they believed the Lord with their heart. Whereas what we see for the children of Israel in the wilderness, they did not believe. They thought the Lord was going to kill them. That's what they confessed, and that's what their mindset towards the Lord was. And that's what we see for all the prophets. They believed who the, word, who the Lord was and what he said he was, and then they were able to be saved. Whereas in that old covenant, the children of Israel were um, complacent with doing the ceremonies without actually understanding whereas jesus when he talks to the pharisees he says you do all these things but you do not understand why essentially that's paraphrasing yet again you don't understand the true reason why you're doing all these things and it's led you to making the word obsolete in your side your minds and inside your heart because you don't fully understand whereas with jesus he fully understood everything that there was needed to know he was the word so he already knew what to do, why he was doing it, and that led him to be able to enter into the fullness of what the Lord had for him. He was God, yes, but he was also had to work and step with the Lord, mm -hmm. with God the Father, I should say. Mm -hmm. But here he's talking about a difference, and these are going to be the people who will listen to what I have to say to them and go forward and do it. These aren't the ones who are wishy-washy and say, oh, Lord, I'm for you today. But then the next day, they're not doing anything remotely close to what the Lord tells them to do. These are the people who are consistent. Even um, as we see in, say, the Old Testament, the Lord is not looking for um, perfection as we humans think of it. We know that Abraham gave away his wife multiple times. Isaac did the same. Jacob didn't. But he had other things he needed to deal with, like lying and supplanting people. And we also see that with David, how he struggled with sexual immorality. But the Lord didn't remember that nor hold it against him. What he was going by was a heart and mindset towards God. Though David did something that was drastic, he still got himself together and came back to the Lord. Whereas the children of Israel, they knew what they were doing and they did not come back. They reveled inside of doing what they wanted and they did not want to know the Lord. They just wanted the Lord to cover them from their enemies so that way they can do their sin and debauchery in peace. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I have, a, I have a question on this, right? I, yes. I love that you brought up about the new covenant. Okay. Now, what specifically was the new covenant? Where is it found? Inside the Gospels when Jesus said this is the new covenant? New covenant in my blood. Yes. Okay. So let's examine something. Actually, there's another question I want to ask first. And that question is this. Since he references Jeremiah, right? 
Yes. Why is it that in Jeremiah the land isn't mentioned? The land of Israel? Yes. I'll be good. So, uh, and I ask this because many times what has been taught up to this point really is when it comes to the covenant and the Abrahamic covenant that it concerns the land. And I'm also asking because if we continue and study out the scripture, especially the Old Testament, you'll find that every time they violated the covenant, the land was then removed or they were removed, displaced from the land. So what is the covenant? Between the Lord and the people. Okay. Uh, just, I just want to ask this question. Just putting it out there open-ended. So what is the covenant? Mm, Dad, we don't know. I will be. It says it right in God, here. And they will be my people. Okay, yep. Verse 10. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And here's the key part. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Right? Yes. If, if you go back to the Abrahamic covenant. Right? There's, there's a lot in there. But he also says, I will give you the land as part of the covenant, right? Yes. But he also says, when he explains it in greater detail, in chapter 17 of Genesis, not chapter 15, but chapter 17, he says, I will be God to you and your descendants after you, right? Yes. Okay, so that is the key. So yes, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But there's something else we have to understand. That covenant was sealed by what? The shedding of blood. Right? Yeah, I guess, Dad. He took a three-year-old heifer. <clears throat> right? Yes. A three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And they were sacrificed. And then a flame passed in between the pieces. The, yes, Dad. The animals, not the birds, but the animals were split in two. Right? Yes. Okay. So there was a shedding of blood. Interestingly enough, they were all three-year-old animals. Right? How long was Christ's ministry? Three and a half. Three, about three and a half years. So it would have been technically in the fourth year, but not four years old, right? So you yes. see a similarity again here, uh, still pointing to Jesus, right? Yes, Dad. And I say this, this is important because the whole time he's talking about Jesus here as the great high priest, right? But he's saying that the new covenant in me, and what did Jesus do away with? Animal sacrifice, because it's in his blood. But the covenant is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's, I will be your God, and you will be my people. Because if that was not the covenant, then there would be no violation of the covenant, resulting in the reason for being expelled or spread out the diaspora, right? 
dispossess, yes. being dispossessed from the land. What would they have violated if the covenant was only to have the land? So there had to be had to have been something greater, and that's what Paul is getting at. Well, the Lord through Paul is getting at here, which is why he's referencing what's in Jeremiah, and not the Abrahamic covenant, because it's still the same thing. To be God to you and your descendants after me, after you, I will be your God, and you will be my people. Yes. The covenant is the same, with one exception. Animal sacrifice was done away with. It's also why Jesus in his, and what's known as the Last Supper, right? Or communion, says, this is the new covenant in my blood. Putting himself there as the sacrificial lamb. Right, and remembering again, let's our, we have to make our perspective correct. The animal sacrifice was a placeholder. Exactly. For the sacrifice that Christ would make, not a legit thing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Now, the scripture says that at the appointed time, Christ came and died. Meaning, we've talked about this before, there was a specific time on God's clock and calendar that the Messiah would come into the earth and put on flesh and minister, live sinlessly, die on behalf of um, mankind to restore us to the Father and be raised again from the dead and, and then place his blood on the mercy seat. And part of that was because, um, you know, for us humans, we go, man, as soon as he sinned, okay, why don't you just go ahead and die right then, Jesus, and great, right? That's how we would approach it. Or if you know Adam's going to sin, God, because he can't know everything, every thought afar off and missed it that Adam was going to fall and woman was going to fall in the garden, right? That couldn't yes. have been a surprise to the Lord. And it couldn't have been a surprise that the serpent was waiting on the tree and he had agreed with the devil to deceive the woman. And God was like, what? You know, and surprised by that and didn't know it was going to happen. That's an impossibility because if God didn't know that, then he doesn't know anything and it's half in chance. But because he knows everything and we already know that, then he knew that as well mm-hmm. and had already in his mind seen Christ slain as the perfect lamb before the world was founded to take care of sin that had already happened through Lucifer. Now, because of that, we have to put our perspective in the right standpoint to see the power and the grace and what is provided for us. The the animal sacrifice was the placeholder, not Christ being a placeholder. Amen. And that's why the, the scripture talks about it wasn't perfect because it was just a placeholder. It's like you're building, um, when people construct houses and they're building a porch, typically the porch is extended from the main structure. And while they're in the building process, they'll take a two by four and prop it up underneath the, the far ends that are dangling of the covering for the porch to hold it up. But it's not made to bear the weight for, of that house and that porch extension or the covering of the porch for 50 years. It's made as a temporary placeholder. And with every intention that the real support structure will be put in place and then it will be finished off and made to look pretty and aesthetic and all that to last and endure the, the time that's supposed to be specified for that particular house. Now, we understand that concept when it comes to building. So then why wouldn't we understand that concept when it comes to the word of God? So we, we have to get in step 
and in line and on the same page with the Lord of how he's looking at things because it's only his perspective that matters. Our opinions and what we thought and how we thought it was going to work out and thought it would always be has no relevance and no value. Only what the Lord says remains. So he's talking to people who are of natural understanding, trying to convey and articulate something to them, explain it to them in a way that they can understand to, as it says in verse nine, take them by the hand and lead them out of where they are in their mindset. So the specific reference was Christ was the pillar of cloud, the cloud and the pillar of fire going before them to lead them literally from Egypt to the promised land. And he covered them and protected them as he went along the way. He literally took them by the hand, step by step by step, because they didn't understand. And in this, um, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is doing that again. And the deep and lengthy explanations of you understood this. Now let me take you to what the real thing is. Mm-hmm. And Christ came at the appointed time that the Father set so that the rest of us would have the opportunity to come and make our choice for Christ Jesus, our opportunity to choose and have our opportunity for restoration and redemption should we choose to receive it. But if Christ came as soon as Adam fell or just said, "Never mind, we're not gonna give him a chance, that meant we would have all had to be condemned to the same fate as Lucifer versus having a chance to make a decision and be restored. But also he made that, also he made that way for us, right? Amen. And he made that is even though, right, as you were saying, honey, everyone was looking at the animal sacrifice, the animal sacrifice as the main thing instead of, no, Jesus is the main thing. Mm-hmm. But remember how we talked about here with the, the covenant you made to Abraham? It was done by what? The animals were torn in two. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two, mm-hmm. making the way that we could enter in and receive from the Father because we've already received the salvation and the grace, Mm -hmm. those that are his, and can now boldly enter in, as we've talked about here in previous episodes, because that veil is now removed. So we should not attempt to reconstruct a veil or a barrier between us and the Lord. Mm -hmm. Actually, actually he says, when you you look at and study out Ezekiel and the other um, writings, he says, more or less, this is, this is sin, this is wickedness, when they set up, uh, the, the princes and whatnot, set up their boundaries for their place next to mine. Mm-hmm. If the Lord removed the boundaries and in his death, right, being the sacrificial lamb for us, and then was buried and rose again three days later, mm-hmm. why would we try to recreate those boundaries? And prevent not only ourselves, but others from entering in. May it never be. But let's boldly enter in to what the grace that has been given to us through faith. Amen. And, you know, hearing all of these things, we're talking about the Lord wanting to build our faith so that it's unshakable. This should help us solidify our perspective that we're on the right side and that God is able. He's capable of finishing and performing that which he promised. And everything that he said, not one jot or tittle of it has failed. It will come to pass. So we should be encouraged and um, inspired to use our faith more boldly, more intentionally, to continue 
to persevere and to endure and to fellowship with our Lord and Savior in the plan that he has provided for us to walk in. Amen. Well, there's a lot in there. So we're going to pause there for today, and we will come back again to this on the next, well, I'll say tomorrow's episode. All right. That sounds so, like a plan. Um, with that, can I get a volunteer to close us out in prayer, please? I will. All right, honey, honey. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your divine will and your divine plan that you've included us, Lord, and allowed us to be a part of you and to have fellowship with you in covenant and be a part of your family. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing for us. Lord, watch over your people and the ones who love you and serve you from a sincere and pure heart. Um, establish them, Lord, establish your word concerning them and make your provision manifest that their eyes are able to see it and understand it. And they connect with it, Lord, to see the fullness of the benefit that you provided for them. We thank you, Lord, for salvation for the lost and all those who would come to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for laborers being sent forth to minister to them and reap them into the kingdom, Lord, uh, ensure their discipleship, Father, and the continuation of their development in you. And Jesus, on mighty name we pray and we thank you lord we receive it done amen and amen amen we love you god bless you and have a wonderful day want to know more about a day of prayer sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest updates on the ministry inspiring messages and coupon codes for the merch shop visit our website adayofprayer.org click on connect in the menu bar and complete the form be sure to check the box that says subscribe Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.